I don't know if everybody in the back, <clears throat> I don't know if everyone in the back could see uh, what happened up here, but when, as, the alt, uh, as the, we sang the song, um, several, several of the children came down to the altar. And that was really, you just saw displayed for you what Jesus said when he said, Suffer the little children to come unto me. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And I think that, that we just saw that displayed, that a child does not have a hard heart. See, I've often sat there before and God's convicting me of something in my own life, a sin, or, or maybe that I've, I've, I, I just need to praise Him or whatever, and I argue with Him. I sit there and go, God, you know what? Everybody's tired of me going down there and praying, and da 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 da, because I'm all concerned about what everybody else is going to think. And you just saw some kids who who felt compelled, felt drawn to come down and pray to their God, and they just did it. It was almost like crawling into the lap of their dad. And so I, that convicts me. But uh, that's, that's not my sermon. I know we, we've got to get out of here quickly. I know, I know Cracker Barrel's filling up even as we speak. So I just want to, want to quickly talk about uh, uh, just a couple of things. Uh, one is, obviously, it's Mother's Day. And all kidding aside, um, I, I, want to, I want to thank my mom. Um, my, my mother um, loved me enough to tell me about Jesus growing up. Loved me enough to discipline me when I, I was... Uh, I know this is going to be really hard to believe, but I was kind of a rough kid. I was a wild child. Um, and she didn't give up on me. And even when I ran from the Lord and was acting like a heathen, I have no doubt that it was Nancy Harrison getting on her knees and praying for me that brought me home. So I want to thank you, Mom. I love you. And I want to extend that to all the mothers here. Thank you so much. God created motherhood. Uh, we see that very clearly in the first few chapters of the book of Genesis. God could have made humans come about any way he wanted. We could have all had from eggs all by ourselves. We could have, have poofed it out of God came up with a plan for moms. And I've noticed in my own kid's life that if they fall and skin their knee or they, they, something's upsetting in their life, they want mama. I can go, come here. And they'll be like running away from me. Where's mama? Where's mama? Just the other night, one of my kids came in, and I said, well, good evening. And they said, where's mom? she up? I'm like, wow, there's a thank you very much. Well, I'm so glad that I'm working to provide a home for you to live in. She's in the bedroom. <laughs> but you know what? Moms can comfort in a way that nobody else can. Don was saying in our Sunday school class, when nobody loves you, mama loves you. And I don't want to discount the fact or forget the fact that there are people in this room who Mother's Day is a very hard day. I had a lady uh, at, a, at a church that I was pastoring that came to me and said, I hate Mother's Day. For the month before Mother's Day, I, I cringe because she had lost several children um, through miscarriage. So every Mother's Day, she sat there feeling like a second-class citizen. And I want you to know, whether it's from the loss of a child or the loss of your mother, where no matter where you are today, if today's a painful day, you can run to the Lord. There is no comfort like going, taking it to the Lord. So, I want to touch on those things. The, uh, the final thing that I really want to say this morning is, and I know we have a lot of guests here, and I, I touched on it when I was talking about the kids, but I just want to take a moment, if I can, and make sure that if you come to this church as a visitor, that you hear the gospel. 
And so just give me a minute to quickly go through this. I, here's why I, I, I'm afraid of that. When Ann and I lived in Turkey, we had a guy um, that came to my house, and he let me, he, in fact, he came to me and said, he was, he was a Muslim, he was a Turk, and he said, hey, can you tell me what Christians believe? And I'm like, absolutely, I'm on that. And so he met with us very regularly, and I remember very well, I said, I want you, before we get started, explain to me how a person, according to the Islamic faith, goes to heaven. And so he, he said, well, every person that's alive has an angel. Actually, they have two. They have, have a bad angel that sits on, on your left shoulder, which is why it's always rude to turn your left side to anyone who's Muslim because you're putting your, your demon toward them. And you have an angel on your right shoulder. And they are literally writing down everything that you do. The demon writes down anything bad that you do, and the angel writes down anything good that you do. And then when you die, you stand before God. There's literally a set of scales. Your good angel and your bad angel go, and they put all of your acts the good on one side, the bad on the other. And if the good outweighs the bad, you get to go to paradise. And as he was explaining that, I thought to myself, I would say that probably 95% of people that go to a Baptist church believe the same thing. They believe that the way to go to heaven is by doing good stuff. And the story that I read about Matthew proves that that's not true. You see, we can never be good enough to earn our way to heaven. The Bible says that everybody has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. None of us can earn our way to God. We can't be good enough. Not only can we not be good enough to do stuff, we keep sinning. We keep doing things that we're not supposed to do. Not only do we do things that we're not supposed to do, we do things that we're not supposed to do knowing that we're not supposed to do them, and we do them anyway. Paul said that we are at open enmity with God, which is a fancy way to say we are literally at war with God. We don't want Him to tell us what to do. He doesn't have the right to tell us what to do. And with our lives, we say, step off, old man. It's my life, and I'll do what I want to with it. And so because we live our lives that way, nothing that we do can earn our way to heaven. If you travel around the world, though, we know that every human being wants a relationship with a deity. We know that there's a God, Romans chapter 1 says, and we know that he's a rewarder of those who do good. Everywhere I've ever been, and I've been able to go to Southeast Asia, I've been in, in the Middle East, I've been to, to Central America, I've been to South America, everywhere that I've been, I've found that people build temples. They want to have a relationship with God. Those two facts are contradictory and fight against each other. We want a relationship with God, but our sin keeps us from being able to have a relationship with God. In fact, I would say that us thinking that we can earn our way to God is probably the biggest affront to Him. Because we're saying, I don't need you. But the verse that we all learned when we were this age says, For God so loved the world. God loved you and I so much that even though we were at war with him, he made a way. He sent his only begotten son. I've said in here before, I love a lot of people enough that I would die for them. I don't think I love anybody enough that I would let William die for him, my son. But God sent his only begotten son so that if we believe on him, we don't have to go to hell but we can go to heaven. We would not perish, but we would have everlasting life. Because here's the thing. We can't earn our way to God. There's nothing that we can do. 
And so God made what some theologians have called the divine swap. That when we call on the name of the Lord, when we say, I'm going to follow after you, Jesus. When we say, I have wrecked my life, please take it. When we get saved, two things happen. One is the righteousness that Jesus achieved. His sinlessness is counted to us. And then the other thing is that our sin that we commit, all those bad things that we talked about, are swapped and put on Him on the cross. That's why when He was on the cross, He said, It is finished. And what He meant by that, being finished, it means that all of my sin, all of my shame that I deserve because of the wicked things that I've done, all the punishment that I rightly deserve was poured out on Him instead of me. See, a lot of Christians don't even give that. I've had, I've get that. I've had Christians come up to me and go, "Hey, you know what? My car's broke down. I went in and the washing machine's broke in my house. I, the, I can't. Everything's messed up. Is God punishing me for something?" And I say, "Beloved, all of the punishment that you deserve was poured out on Jesus on the cross. There is no more wrath for you if you're saved. There is no more condemnation for you if you are in Christ Jesus." And so that freedom that we can feel, that freedom is not to go sin more, God forbid, but that freedom is so that we can actively serve Him without being afraid. No matter what you've done, no matter what sins you've committed, not only, as with Matthew, can God save you, He can use you. I was uh, in seminary, I actually back up a little bit. Uh, several years ago, I was in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I had gone to a concert of um, Ziggy Marley. I don't know if any of you guys know who Ziggy Marley is. He's Bob Marley's son. And so I had gone to a Ziggy Marley concert. And um, there, uh, to, to use the police blotter term, there was some alcohol involved. And I was there at the Ziggy Marley concert. And the B-52s, I, I, I don't know if any of you know these groups. I know you guys have never heard of any of these people. The B-52s followed Bob Marley. And so the B-52s came out, and to make a, a long story even longer, uh, the, a fight ensued. And I was there, I was in the Marine Corps at the time, and I was there with about 12 or 13 Marines, and so it got very violent. Uh, it was open admission, so there were folding chairs on the floor, and so people were picking up chairs and flinging them. And all. In fact, the guy of the B-52s, the lead singer, came out to the stage, and he's like, love, dude, love, and immediately got answered with a chair getting flung in his direction, skittering across the stage. Well, the Virginia City Police came in, and they literally came in with riot shields, pushed everybody on the floor over in the corner, and let us out one at a time and zip tied us. And so I, I spent the evening that night and, at, at the Virginia Beach City's expense, and uh, that, that was that. And so I, I spent a, a little while in jail, and then a magistrate came in, and, and everything, all that was fun. It was good times. This is not the sort of story you hear from a preacher, but um, I, I'm getting somewhere with it. So, fast forward about 12 years later, I was in seminary, and I was in a Greek study group. I don't know if any of you have learned Greek. I've heard all these Greek to me jokes. It's, they're funny, haha. And uh, But it's a really hard language to learn, and I was in this group, and we're all doing our flashcards, and we're all a bunch of little preacher boys, and we're all getting ready to, to serve Jesus and that sort of thing. And I'm sitting there with this guy, and, I, so, and we, we're taking a break, and I'm like, so where are you from? And he says... Uh, Virginia Beach. And I said, you're kidding. I've gone to jail in Virginia Beach. And, and, and he's like, um, well, I was a cop in Virginia Beach. And I'm like, you're kidding. 
And long story short, we started exchanging information. He was my arresting officer. <laughs> and I, in the scuffle to get me cuffed, I ended up ripping his badge loose from his shirt. And he, he was still upset with me about that. So here was a guy that was arrested, and the officer who arrested him, and both of us were preparing to serve Jesus. Both of us God could use. So I'm here to tell you, I don't care what pit of despair or or terribleness you're in, God wants to use you. God wants you to be the best you can be for His glory. God wants to take those wicked things you've done in your life and use them so that he can get the glory. Because you know what? I didn't pull myself up out of the mud. I didn't pull myself up by my bootstraps. It was a holy God in heaven that reached down and picked me up and saved me. God wants to save you too. In Romans 10, chapter 9, it lays it out clearer than anywhere else in the Bible. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. I love that it's put that way. The word confess we, just means to agree with God. I mean, I, I can try out one of my fancy Greek words. Homo legeo, confess. Homo, the same. Legeo, words, that say the same words. So agree with God. Yes, I've lived as a sinner. But in this case, to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That you agree that Jesus is the boss. That's a hard thing for most of us men to ever agree to. And I ain't the boss of my own life. You get to be the boss, God. And notice it's saying that you're agreeing with God that he's the boss. You're not making him the Lord. I hate that language that we use in the church sometimes. Would you make Jesus the Lord of your life? Well, you know what? Jesus doesn't need you to make him Lord of anything. He's already Lord. You're just agreeing with God that he is the boss. Any of you in here who've had kids have had times when your child disagreed with you that you were the boss and you had to make them agree with you. I was, t- I was telling Ann uh, yesterday, there, there's a particular situation occurred and one of the kids, I, I coached the eight under basketball team. And there was a kid that was acting up that whole practice and uh, his grandfather came up to me after practice, had his belt in his hand and said, do I need to talk to the boy? I felt uncomfortable. I'm like, no, sir, no, sir, but whatever you need me to do, I, I've, I've done it. Please don't wear me out. <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with that. That's just... Uh, Uh, confess with their mouth that Jesus is the boss, that he's the Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Now, see, that's a crazy thing to believe. But see, if Jesus didn't get up out of the dead, we're still dead and get up out of the grave. We're still dead in our sins. All the stuff that we talk about on the cross doesn't mean anything unless he rose. And I will say that's a weird thing to believe. I've been to a lot of funerals, and I've never had to worry about what the guest of honor thought about that funeral. I have people ask me all the time, which would you rather do, a funeral or a wedding? And I always say, a funeral. Because wedding, everybody wants to tell me how to do everything. No offense, but especially the mother of the bride. I'm just saying. But at a funeral, he don't care. Because dead people don't get up. But we're asking you to believe that Jesus wasn't just a dead guy. That he's still alive today. That he can still have an impact on your life. And I love the old hymn. I I know I said it during Easter, but you ask me how I know that he lives. He lives within my heart. Drunks don't stop being drunks on their own power. It doesn't happen. But Jesus can change. 
He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as we come to a time of invitation, if you've never called on the name of the Lord to be saved, I want to give you that opportunity, opportunity to do that. I want to open this altar, where, and I would love to explain to you further. If you're in here and you're looking for a church home, we, we would love to have you join. And if you're a believer, and you know that you got saved, whether it was as a kid or as a teenager, but you just aren't living like him, that, that's an easy one. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This altar is open. Father God, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that you made a way for us to be saved. Father God, I pray that if there's anybody under the sound of my voice who has not called on you and been saved, that you would do that this morning, that you would save them. In Jesus' name, amen.